If you're familiar with the book of Revelation, you know that the scenes move from heaven to earth and back to heaven and back to earth. And not only that, the scenes in heaven tell us what is going to happen upon the earth. And so we turn to Revelation chapter 6. I'm going to begin reading at verse 12. Read through the end of the chapter, which really is the the climax of this uh, section. Uh, Chapter 6, starting at verse 12. John says, I looked when he broke the sixth seal, and there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree casts its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. The sky was split apart like a scroll when it's rolled up, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Let's pray. Father, these are words that you have given by the inspiration of your Spirit given to John to write down for us, that we might understand, O God, what will come upon the earth, and knowing one day that Jesus will come again. Father, would you uh, teach us this morning? Would you guide us into your truth? Would you prepare us for that day when Jesus comes again? For we ask in his name. Amen. What do you think of the title of my sermon today? Do you wonder if it qualifies as an oxymoron? You know what an oxymoron is? An oxymoron is uh, terms that seem to be in contradiction to one another. The wrath of the Lamb. Doesn't that sound like a little bit strange? The wrath of the lion, the wrath of the tiger, but the wrath of the lamb. It just sounds a little bit strange, doesn't it? And yet that's what we see at the conclusion of this chapter where the kings of the earth and the commanders and the slaves and the free, the rich and the poor, hiding from the lamb, asking the mountains to fall upon them. Why? Because... The great day of the wrath of the Lamb has come, and who is able to stand? I would suggest to you that our text tells us three important things about the coming wrath of the Lamb. First of all, the Lamb will bring His wrath in His time. We don't know the day when Jesus will come again, do we? We don't know when these events are going to take place. But we find this picture then in the sixth chapter of Revelation where Jesus begins to open the seals of that scroll that he was given from the Father. There are seven seals on that scroll. And I believe this scroll pictures 
a title deed to the earth. And by opening those seals, Jesus is putting into place the Father's plan for this world. He's beginning to reclaim that which is rightfully His. Now, there's a significant, significant little word that is used in the opening of all these seven seals. It's a word that speaks of the timing of these judgments. It's the little word, when. Notice that when Jesus opens each of these seals in heaven, something happens on the earth. So Jesus is the one who determines when it is time to act. No one will rush him. No one will slow him down. His timing will prevail. I'd like to encourage us because there are times when it appears as if justice will never prevail. Ever feel that way? Good just never seems to win. Evil always seems to triumph. Justice... Will it ever prevail? Will the wicked ever be judged? The prophet Habakkuk had that question. In Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 2, he said, How long, O Lord, will I call for help, and you will not, you will not hear? I cry out to you violence, yet you do not save. Why do you make me see iniquity and cause me to look on wickedness? Yes, destruction and violence are before me. Strife exists. Contention arises. The law is ignored. Justice is never upheld. The wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. <laughs> it sounds like today, doesn't it? Just like you, you, you think, when will justice ever prevail? When will those who have disregarded the law of God and the law of our land, when, when will justice prevail? But then I'm reminded that Jesus controls the timing of his judgments. And I then need to trust his plan. Look, for example, at verse 9, when you have these men who were martyred, they're pictured as being under the altar, the souls who had been slain because of the word of God. And in verse 10, they're crying out and saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Lord, when is, when is justice going to prevail? Verse 11 says, And there was given to each of them a white robe, and they were told that they should rest for a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who, will to be, who were to be killed even as they had been would be completed also. So to those who ask how long, the answer is just a little while longer. Just a little while longer. In other words, persecution won't go on forever. Evil will be punished. Rest in that. Just rest in, in that. And so I want to ask you that question. Are you willing to rest in that? To just say, okay, God, you know when. Your timing I trust. And when you begin to open those seals on that scroll, you will deal with evil in this world. I can trust you in that. And when Jesus decides the time has come, 
The time will come that we rest in His timing. And we can be certain about this, that God always does what is best. And that includes not just what He does, but when. When He does it. And that's maybe where we struggle sometimes is the when, huh? How long, Lord? When are you going to deal with evil? Lord, so just rest. Just rest. My timing will, will prevail. The wrath of the Lamb will come in His time. The second thing we notice, the, ra- the, the, the Lamb will bring, bring His wrath, not just in His time, but in His way. When the seals of the scroll are opened, there are different types of judgment that come upon the earth. But with all of them, we see how Jesus exercises his control. Judgment comes in his way. And notice in all of these, these seals how that is so clear. Look at the first one, verse 1. Then I saw when the Lamb broke one of the seven seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying, as with a voice of thunder, Come! I don't know if that sounds like thunder, but I thought I'd emphasize it. Verse 2, I looked, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering and to conquer. Now we could discuss who that symbolizes. I'm not going to get into that, but I want you to notice that when we see that a crown was given to him, it obviously implies that someone gave it to him, right? Someone was in control of this. Someone gave this rider on the white horse authority to conquer. Now, who do you suppose that is? I think we know the answer. Who is the one that rules and reigns? Huh? Who is the one that is seated on the throne? We know who gave that authority. And we have scriptural reason to come to that conclusion because the scripture speaks in many places of God who is in control of those who wear crowns, right? Those who are kings. Go to the book of Daniel, chapter 2. Daniel said, verse 20, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to Him. It is He who changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and establishes kings. He rules. He reigns. So when Jesus opens the first seal, and John sees that a crown was given to the rider on the white horse, that illustrates... The Lord's control of this judgment. They may not know it, but guess what? The kings of the earth serve His purpose. All throughout history, the kings of the earth serve the purpose of God. So the white horse. Second seal is the red horse. Verse 3, when He broke the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come. And another, a red horse, went out, and to him who, who sat on it, it was granted to take peace from the earth, and that men would slay one another, and a great sword was given to him. So twice we see that, right? It was granted to him, 
a great sword was given to him. So again, who granted this? Who gave this sword to him? I think we know, don't we? This was consistent with the plan of God. So, so what John is describing here is something that will happen according to the plan of God. Because the Lord commanded this to take place, judgment comes in his way. About the third seal, verse 5, when he broke the third seal, I heard the living creature, third living creature saying, Come, I looked and behold a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard something like a voice in the center of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius. And don't damage the oil and the wine. Now, what does that sound like? A quart of wheat for a denarius. You know what a denarius was? That was a day's wages. And if it cost you a day's wages for a quart of wheat, what would you say? This is inflation to the max. This is famine that's come upon the earth, obviously. But notice how the Lord has his hand in this. In very specific terms, we see a description of the price of the wheat and the barley. This won't be a, just a, a random event that happens by chance. This too is under the control of the Lamb who comes, who opens the seal. Judgment comes in, in his way. Verse 7, we find the fourth seal. When the Lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come, I looked, and behold, an ashen horse. And he who sat on it had the name Death. And Hades was following him. And notice again, authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beasts of the earth. So what are we seeing here? A pattern, right? Was given, was given, was given, was given. Now one author calls these phrases divine passives. In other words, the Lord is behind it all. Judgment comes in His way. How about the fifth seal? Here we see the Lord's control in a little different way. We meet those who were martyred for their faith. They're wondering how long. And notice verse 11, quite an interesting verse. There was given to each of them a white robe, and they were told that they should rest for a little while longer. And then this phrase is quite interesting. Until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who were to be killed even as they had been would be completed also. What does that suggest? It suggests that God has a determined number. And when that number is reached of those who have been killed for their faith, when that is completed, God says, that's it. So, the devil is not in control of any of this. He wants as many of God's people to be martyred as possible. But God is the one who determined this because our lives are in His hands. We are not victims. 
of fate or bad luck. God has a plan for this world. He has a plan for every one of His children. And in that we rest today. Now, does that mean it's going to be easy? No. Does that mean we're going to understand everything that happens in our life and in the world? No. But we rest in this one who has control of all these judgments, the one in whose hands are the lives of his people. Like the psalmist says, my times are in what? Your hands. Remember that ad, you're in good hands with all state? I don't know if any of you have all state, but you're in good hands when you're in Jesus' hands, right? We rest in his his care. So the Lamb will bring his wrath and his time in his way. And then thirdly, the, ram, the Lamb will bring his wrath in his righteousness. When the martyrs cry out for the Lord to bring his judgment, notice the basis of their appeal. They appeal to the holiness of God. And they appeal to the fact that he is true to his word. Verse 10. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Now some have seen that prayer, read that prayer and thought, Why would... These people want vengeance on those who have killed them. Shouldn't they want mercy upon them? This isn't personal vengeance upon those who killed them. These martyrs are appealing to the Lord to act in a way that is consistent with his nature. They are asking him to do what he said he will do. Vengeance is... Mine, God said, right? I will repay, says the Lord. So they are calling upon God to do what He said He will do based upon His holiness. That sin must be punished. So when we come to the sixth seal, then we see the outpouring of God's wrath in a terrifying way. Verse 12, I looked when he broke the sixth seal, there was a great earthquake. Now imagine this taking place. And the sun became black as sackcloth made of hair, and the whole moon became like blood. And the stars of the sky fell to the earth as a fig tree cast its unripe figs when shaken by a great wind. The sky split apart like a scroll when it's rolled up, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Can you imagine the terrifying effect? Verse 15, Then the kings of the earth, the great men, the commanders, the rich and the strong, and every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves among the rocks of the mountain, and they said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of Him who 
sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come. And notice the question, who is able to stand? Interesting. They didn't say anything about Mother Nature, did they? They recognized this was not a natural disaster. This was the hand of God. Mountains cover us. This is the wrath of the Lamb, they said, who was able to stand. Who is able to stand? Not the kings of the earth, because status will mean nothing before the wrath of God. Not the great men, because human greatness will mean nothing before the wrath of God. Not the commanders, because an army... <laughs> will mean nothing before the wrath of God. Not the rich, because money will mean nothing before the wrath of God. Not the powerful, because influence is nothing when the wrath of God is poured out. All these people mentioned in verse 15 are looking for a place to hide. A place to hide from the wrath of God. But there is no place for them to hide. Even if the mountains were to cover them, they still wouldn't be able to escape the wrath of God. Is there no hope anywhere for these people? In Joel chapter 2, we see similar language describing God's wrath. Verse 10 says, The heavens tremble, the sun and the moon grow dark, and the stars lose their brightness. The Lord utters His voice before His army. Surely His camp is very great, for strong is He who carries out His word. The day of the Lord is indeed great and very awesome, and who can endure it? Very similar, right? Who can stand? Who can endure? But notice what Joel goes on to say in Joel chapter 2, verse 12. He says, Yet, even now, declares the Lord, Return to me with all your heart and with fasting, weeping and mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and compassionate. So there is a refuge. There is a refuge from the wrath of God. There is a place of safety. And that place of safety is in the cross of Jesus. That is the only place of safety, the only covering from the wrath of God. And the reason why that is the case is because God at the cross poured out on His Son His wrath upon sin. Isaiah 53, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed with our iniquities, the chastening for our well-being fell on Him, and by His scourgings we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall upon Him. That's the place of safety. That's the only way that you and I will be spared from the wrath of God is at the cross. Because that's where Jesus took the wrath of God that you and I deserve. 
And so listen to these promises. Romans 5, 8, 9. God demonstrates His own love toward us in this, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. 1 Thessalonians 1.10 says that Jesus rescues us from the wrath to come. 1 Thessalonians 5.9 God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. How about these people? Was there opportunity for them to repent? As we read through the book of Revelation, we see more and more judgments of coming upon them. And there's a phrase we see repeated more than once, and they would not repent. They refuse to repent. And those who refuse to repent, there is no covering for the wrath of God. There is no place to hide. But those who put their trust in Jesus, we don't have to fear the wrath of God. We are saved by His blood, by His grace that covers us that cleanses us from all our sin. Some early settlers were traveling together across the prairies of our country. And one day they were horrified to see a fire that was coming in their direction with a wind just just blowing and it was destroying everything in its path. And as the flames began to come closer and closer, one man, to the amazement of others, set a fire a large patch of grass downwind. And that grass burned very quickly and left behind a charred, barren area. And he told them to move into that area, to go into that place where fire had already been. And when the fire came, it went around them because there was nothing to burn there. That burned out area was the place of safety. You see, the fire of God's judgment will descend upon a wicked world, but God has provided a burned-over place because at Calvary, the fire of God's justice was met by Jesus. He bore our sin on the cross, fully paid for our transgressions, and when we take our stand at the cross, there's safety because it was there that the wrath of God was poured out upon Jesus. So are you in the burned out place today? (laughs) Have you taken refuge in Jesus? If you haven't, I plead with you to come to Him today. That is our only place of safety. Our only place to be spared from the, the wrath of God. So come to Jesus today. He paid that price for you. He shed His blood for you. No fear of the wrath of God in Him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank You for the price You paid, a debt that we could never have ever paid for all eternity, but You paid it for us. And as we come to Your table this morning, Lord, we rejoice in that blood that was shed for us, that cleanses us from sin, that spares us from the wrath of God upon our sin. Lord, thank You for what You've done. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.